Hi, everybody. I am Peter Travers. This is Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And there's an extraordinary movie for you to see this week. You can go to a theater. You can wear your mask. You can do what you have to do. But you need to see Stillwater, starring my friend here, Matt Damon. And I think and I know one of the best performances I've seen you give. Thanks. It's nothing like you'd expect. You're playing this uh, Oklahoma oil rigger. He's somebody who we think we know. And in this movie that Tom McCarthy directs so beautifully as well, we find out what the human side is. And I'm excited about it because I see a lot of big epics. This is a personal movie. How did you, where'd yeah. you get the gall to do that? No, I, I couldn't believe it when I read it. I went like, they're, they're going to make this? Like, this is good. <laughs> you know, this is like a movie I would have made earlier on in my career when we made movies like this. And, uh, and so I, I, was, um, I was thrilled that, that it was happening. And Tom, you know, I mean, I've been dying to work with, with him for years. I just love, love his work. And uh, no, I'm, I'm happy. I hope people go see it because um, if, if, you know, then we can keep making movies like this. We do. Otherwise, it's just streaming. And that's where it's tending to go, which is sure. kind of sad because here's a movie shot in Marseille. That shocked me because you're the guy that doesn't usually leave his family. Yes, that's right. That's right. How did they uh, get you to do that? Uh, no, we had a whole family meeting about it. I, 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 you know, normally, normally they come on the road with me, but in this case, the movie was, uh, the movie kind of spread out like over like them starting school and all. And so we had to violate our two week rule for the first time. So we had a little meeting about that. And uh, but, you know, they know how much I love my job. And uh, and so we broke the two week rule for the first time. And last time, I will say, because how uh, did those meetings go Matt, in a house full of women? That's that's all you did. You could it would seem you could be voted down quite easily. Yeah, I can get voted down about a lot of stuff, but they, but they but they, you know, look, I, I was raised by, you know, my, you know, my mom is a professor and she loved what she did. And my brother and I really saw that and that that had an impact on us. And, and I hope that, uh, you know, the extent to which I love my job has an impact on on my girls, too. Um, it's it's good to love what you do. if you're that if you're so if you could be so lucky. Well, it is, as long as they're not super critical of what you do do. You know, you haven't you haven't done a Marvel movie. Yeah, no, they love Marvel movies. They they they. Yeah, no, that would be cool. Like like there it's it's other movies that that my, my 15 year old just like comes out like she's she's very funny. And she uh, she uh, gets after me about uh, about movies that I make that aren't so successful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's the box office that you have to be. Criticize? No, no, no. It's more. It's it's much more about critical acclaim. She doesn't care about box office. It's okay. more about like you know what you know what, what what do people think? And like when when the general feeling is that I may I'm in a stinker. That's kind of good news to her. She 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 celebrates that. <laughs> well, too bad for her on this one. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm really proud of it. I, I'm you know. I've been at this for a long time and and uh, the, the feeling that I got after I did this one is kind of the feeling I'm going to chase for, from now on. You know, if someone says, oh, you're terrible in that movie, I'll just say, well, we disagree about what acting is. That's OK. We can totally disagree, but I'm at peace with it. Wow. That is so zen. You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, but that's, you know. Yeah, it's years of years of doing this and and uh, and and getting a role like this and with a director that's that great and actors around me that are that great. And, uh, 
you know, I, I, I can't do it much better than that. It's interesting to see you in a movie that is about you being a father of a daughter and then almost an adopted father of another daughter in this. So did that help you relate to the character that you're playing? Yeah, I mean, it was obvious. Yeah, the, my, my own life. I mean, you always use your own life in your work. But, yep. but in this case, there were some, some pretty direct lines. In the movie, my character ends up in this relationship with a woman who has a nine-year-old daughter and has the relationship with her that he kind of couldn't have with his own daughter. And there's something you know beautiful there and heartbreaking as you see how the movie plays out. But I, I thought a lot about my own kids when I, was, when I was working. Abigail Breslin is playing the daughter who's in prison for a murder right. that she says, I did not commit. And you're there to help her. And yet she said, growing up, you were no father to her at all. You know, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, the guy that I play has you know is a guy who was an absentee father. He he kind of was a, a roughneck from Oklahoma, and what happens in that lifestyle is a lot of times these guys come right out of high school and they go into the oil fields and they have a lot of cash in their pocket and they get caught up in a fast life and um, and that's kind of the backstory for our character. And he's so he's this absentee father from the first frame of the movie, you see this weight, the guilt and the pain and the grief and the shame that this guy's carrying, the ways in which he's failed his daughter. And he feels somewhat responsible. She's in prison in Marseille for something she didn't do. And he feels like she's ended up there in part because of his failures as a father. And so he's a guy with kind of limited capability who's trying to repair this relationship, this, uh, that, you know, this, this, you know, this, incredibly uh, important relationship in his life that he's that he's done damage to. You've had in your career the chance to play so many characters that people love in the franchise movies. You're Jason Bourne, you're in the Oceans movies, you're in The Martian. There's always this sense of kind of a boyishness and a charm about you that <clears throat> I'm not saying that you don't have any of that in this movie, but this is a guy that doesn't laugh a lot, you know? Yeah, <clears throat> that felt right with like the, you know, the the roughnecks we hung out with down in Oklahoma. I mean, you know, that that lifestyle that I mean, look, they're they're plenty gregarious and outgoing guys. But, um, you know, just the pace of life down there and, and, and you know, they'll drive hundreds of miles between sites and like and just you got to be comfortable being quiet. And, um, you know, and and they can get loud, too. I mean, you know, but but uh, but uh, it just it just felt right for this guy to, uh, you know, he's 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 a man. Of few, he's a man of few words. And then that felt right. It does feel right. And in the sense, we also see that there's an anger in him. It's uh, sometimes he looks like coiled to spring. He's in a place in Marseille that he doesn't know the language. He doesn't know the culture. He doesn't belong there. They don't think he should belong there. There's that resentment that's happening. So that is a really fascinating character to play, you know, and I'm glad to see you do it. I'm glad you picked up on that. That's a, that was a big thing that Tom and I talked about a lot was like this idea that there was violence right under the surface and, mm -hmm. and, and ready, like just, just there. And you see it flash a couple of times throughout the movie. So it's not that he, that the guy does nothing and he's just sitting there. There's something he's there's a lot going on. It's just it's just doesn't come out in kind of uh, the kind of performative or obvious ways. It's it's but it's all underneath. And there are a few flashes of 
there's a scene where, with a with a lawyer when I when I lose my temper and and just and he's trying to give me this list and I and and just suddenly like the scene just takes a turn, um, which is what we wanted to have happen. Where just the guy suddenly the lawyer realizes, oh, this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go, and so there are things like that, but they're very kind of real and. Um, you know, uh, we, we want it to feel like these are real people and this is real life. Well, you succeeded. Did you have any of that in you now or when you were growing up, that kind of anger that you had to keep underneath? Everybody has it. Everybody has it, you know, and, and, and to varying degrees. And, and that's what, you know, my whole life I've spent, like just trying to tap into these different things and just, and you know, whatever I'm playing, it's, 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 you just tap into the real thing. And, and so you're kind of working with live ammo the whole time, but, but it's, it's really about understanding why things are happening, you know, and we went to Oklahoma and had, you know, these roughnecks gave us, they were very, you know, they were wary at first, understandably. And, and, you know, like, what are your intentions, you guys, like, what are you, what are you here to do? Like what movie, you know, you're making a movie about roughnecks. Like, what does that mean? Like, you know, what kind of movie, you know? And, and, and I think when they, when they got to know Tom and uh, Tom McCarthy and, and, and me and, and saw the script and saw what it was we were trying to do and that we were really just trying to get it right and get their life right. They, they were, they were incredibly helpful and gave us incredible access and everything about that performance came from them the physicality of it i changed my body it's a very physically demanding job those guys are really strong they're really you know all of that stuff came from them and the specificity of it was from them were you shooting this movie during the pandemic or had it been completed before no we completed it just before so we finished i think in november of 2019 and it was supposed to come out last Thanksgiving, uh, but obviously nobody was in the movies last year. So yeah, it's the new world. It's the new world. Everything was supposed to come out. So what did you do during this uh, pandemic time where you had time to be with your family? Do, I always thought I've never asked you this in all the times we've spoken, but was it a good time? Did you think of getting those 12 credits you, you missed at Harvard where you could have gotten your BA degree? I didn't think of that, but I, uh, you know, I wasn't thinking of any, I, I don't think I was thinking of anything proactive during the lockdown because it was like everybody was sheltering in place and just trying to observe the, the, the rules. I, I wasn't thinking of, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I mean, that would be a hyper proactive alpha <laughs> person to kind of go like, I think I'm going to finish college. <laughs> I'm going to finish college. I'm 50 yeah. now, so yeah. I should get this degree. I'm 50. I think I want to go clean up this bachelor's <laughs> thing. But during this, pan I mean, we did see, you know, you're a guy who's famous for cameos. You do some amazing ones, but you did show up in a Steven Soderbergh movie, Unbilled. I don't even know if I'd call that a cameo because it was quite a little rich scene or two that you had there. Well, with Steven, it's always a cameo because it's only about a day of work. You know, uh, he shoots so fast. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> that was a uh, I, I, you know, I, I read every script that Steven's going to do. He's uh, you know, I'm, I, I always want to stay connected to what he's working on. And I always try to try to uh, get myself in somewhere. And yeah. uh, he well, it's a good plan. It's a yeah. good plan. Yeah, I it's a good idea. You and Brad Pitt showing up in George Clooney's Confessions of a Dangerous Mind yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. as contestants on a dating show. Yeah, <laughs> we were on the dating game. Yeah, yeah. And we were the ones that didn't get picked. <laughs> yeah. 
So you should have a whole other reel with that happening. Look, I love making movies and I love, you know, and, and when my friends are making movies um, and they can sneak me into them, I'm, I'm, I'm always game to do it. It's, a, it's kind of a fun, a fun thing to do. And it's kind of, you know, if I'm, if I'm not doing anything else, like it's, it's, uh, it's what I would prefer to do in my free time. So anytime somebody comes with a good cameo idea, I'm, I'm, I'm always game. All right. You hear that people out there, Matt Damon, just, you know, call him at mattdamon.com. Well, they have to be my friends. And they have to be your friends. Okay, well, we won't even ask what that number is. But you did have time to make a movie with your buddy Ben Affleck called The Last Duel. Now, that was a movie that got interrupted by the pandemic? Yeah, about halfway through, actually, like kind of right at the midpoint. We shot in France and in Ireland, and uh, and we finished the French portion just as the pandemic was kicking off. And we the whole crew traveled to Ireland and we got there, landed at the airport and, and, and we shut down. And so my family and I, we just decided to stay in Ireland. You know, we were looking at the news and, you know, it was kind of bad everywhere. And, you know, we had this opportunity to just stay and shelter in place in this beautiful town in Ireland. And right. so that's what we did. Well, how, I mean, Ben gets to play the king of France in this movie. And well, you're he, just... He he's he's an over he's my overlord. But yeah, this it's about the last sanctioned uh, duel in in medieval France between these two knights and one one of whom claimed the other raped his wife. Mm -hmm. And we saw it as a story about perspective. And so Ben and I wrote the male perspectives, the two knights perspectives and Nicole Holof Center wrote the female perspective of the Lady Marguerite. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with it. I mean, it has, I mean, it'll come out in October. You'll tell me, you'll, you'll tell me what you think, but. Well, the world will. And whatever anybody says, I hear what your answer is going to be anyway. You know, I thought maybe you don't know anything about acting, you know, that's it. I'm passing on this question. <laughs> right. That's the way it is. Well, what was it like for you two to haven't written together at all since Goodwill Hunting? What yeah. was it like? It was actually, it was surprising. I think we were both really shocked because, um, what we struggled with when we were writing Goodwill Hunting was was structure. Like we'd we we would read scripts all the time, so we knew we knew about structure, but we we didn't we couldn't quite you know we we basically end uh, our method back then was we knew the characters, and so we could put the characters in any scene. Uh, you know, we'd say, ah, what what if they go to a baseball game, or what if they do this, or what if they do that, and we could write that scene. We'd end up with like a five page scene that was good and authentic. We'd go like, yeah, that's what those guys would say. But they didn't really cohere into a kind of a, into a movie. And so we basically ended up writing thousands of pages and then finding the things that 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 work, jamming them together into a so a kind of a narrative, you know, one narrative flow and making that Goodwill Hunting. And we didn't we didn't write for years, I think, because we just thought we didn't have time. And and yet we found ourselves this time around, uh, you know, just we outlined the, what we wanted to do and we would show up every day. We'd write for a few hours. We'd end up with a few really good pages and we'd go like, well, that was good. And we, we kind of we wrote it in like five weeks um, versus like, you know, years of, of, you know, trying to figure out Goodwill Hunting. But I think because we'd been doing, uh, you know, three act stories in two hours for the last 30 years, you know, we we'd finally figured out structure. Thank well, I God. still don't know how you allowed Ben to be the overlord. 
<laughs> well, there should have been some argument about that. We were gonna we were gonna be the two knights that fight to the death, but uh, but you know, Ben, you know, just with 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 his life and uh, with his you know life with his kids and stuff, the uh, uh, as a dad, he had to uh, he had to sacrifice that role and take and take another role. And 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 listen, and he would even tell you he's happy he did it because we got Adam Driver. And Adam is remarkable, and he really is great too. Well, did you really? have? An, uh, did you play a role in in helping uh, Ben and Jennifer Lopez get back together? I had. I wish I could say I did. I oh had, come on! Uh, I, I had nothing to do with it. I'm. I'm just. I'm just sitting on the sidelines, being happy for him. You know, as we finish up, I wanted to bring up the business that you're in and when it started. I remember the first time I saw you. It was. It was a minute in Mystic Pizza where you were sitting at a dinner table saying man, do you want to eat my green stuff? You know, (laughs) life has changed. There's been Academy Awards and nominations and stuff like that. But has the business fundamentally changed? Yeah, yeah. It's it's completely, as as you know, I mean, like the, you know, when we lost the DVD market to kind of technology, you know, that, that, that just, that, I mean, I talked to one studio executive who told me that that took 50% of our business away, like literally cut our business in half. Yeah. So the kinds of movies that get made have changed because it's much harder to recoup your investment. And so if you make a, you know, a, a, a drama for 30 million bucks or whatever, a movie like Stillwater, maybe you got to put that into the the print and advertising and you got to try to recoup that in your theatrical run. So it's really, you know, it's very rare to make a movie like this. And that's why, because it's rare, people should pay attention to it. You know, I've got to let you go. I, I, mean, hope, I hope you I hope you can get people into seats, Peter. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm counting on you, man. It's hard about seats, you know, but <laughs> we're, trying, <laughs> we're trying to get this back together. You know that we end uh, this show always with song. Last time you gave me a great, it was like torture to get you to sing a, a bar of My Funny Valentine. But because <laughs> Stillwater is a movie about you as a father of girls uh, in a fundamental way, what did you sing to your girls when they're growing up? Come on, every father does it. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I, I used to, my two go-to songs that I knew all the lyrics to, uh, my daughter's, I'm thinking my 15-year-old, when she was like a loaf of bread in my arms, I would sing Imagine and Blowing in the Wind were the two songs that I sang over and over to put her to sleep. Well, pick a bar <laughs> of one of them as you, as we go out. Uh, like how many roads? Yeah, is that enough? <laughs> Well, I guess the next time we'll get a little bit more and we'll create a whole song eventually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but, man. I'm, I'm so happy for you. I'm proud of what you did in this movie and thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Peter. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it.